like for you to turn to the 12th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And you'll need your Bible tonight because we're going to move through some selected passages of Scripture and discuss and begin a three-part series on demonology. We have, we have one enemy. Sometime I, I, when I read, you know, in the Baptist Messenger and, and the Baptist Standard, the Baptist page, Baptist paper in Texas, I get the impression that some people think that, that Southern Baptists, you know, have, you know, they fight each other. That's, that's not really true. We have one enemy, and his name is Satan. He's our enemy. And he is a defeated enemy. He is a defeated foe. That's something I think that we have not really grasped. He is a defeated enemy. It's not that he's going to be defeated. He already is. For at the cross, God legally placed a restriction on him and limited his power and what he can do so that we do not have to fear being controlled by our defeated enemy. And when you see or hear someone say or see it on television, well, the devil made me do it. He did not make you do it. You permitted you know, it to happen, but he, is, he has a limited amount of control and there are definite parameters that God has legally placed on his life. Now, to say that is to make this statement necessary, that only people that are safe, really safe, are Christian people. The only Christians are the only ones who are completely safe and protected. It is in fellowship with Christ and only there that there is safety. So that Christians then have a security and a safety against this defeated foe who has been limited in his power and ability. Now the question is, how can Satan have such a wide ministry? He is not omnipresent. That is, he cannot be everywhere at the same time. How can he have such a widespread influence? He is called the prince of this world. How can he have such an influence? Well, the answer to that is that he has an innumerable host of helpers who assist him in his deed, in his work in the world, and they are called demons. Now, I don't suppose there's anybody here tonight who denies the, uh, the reality of Satan. Billy Sunday said, I know that Satan is real for two reasons. One is the Bible says he is, and second, I've done business with him. Well, you and I have done business with him, whether we believe the Bible or not. He is real, a real enemy, but I'm not sure that we, we, we really believe in the demonic underworld of which, over which Satan rules. That's what I want us to talk about, deal with tonight. There are five questions. This is an introductory message, and there are five questions we're going to seek to answer that are on the worksheet. Now let's look to our text, 
the first part of what we're going to deal with in chapter 12 of Matthew, beginning at verse 22. Then there was brought to him a demon-possessed man who was blind and dumb, and he healed him, so that the dumb man spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and began to say, This man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This man cast out demons only by Beelzebub, and the, the, the ruler of the demons. And knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Any kingdom divided against its, itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself cannot stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself, then, shall, then how shall his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Consequently, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong house and carry off his property unless he binds, first binds the strong man? Then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me. And he who, is, he who does not gather with me scatters abroad or scatters. Now, question number one, can we say for sure that demons really exist? Can we say for sure that demons really exist? Verse 22. Now there is never an argument here regarding their existence. There is no argument in this passage regarding the existence of, of the demonic. That's not even in question. What is in question here is the source of power by which these demons are exercised. Now, I need to say a couple of things by way of introduction. One is, is that, that these demons are the, the, uh, the reality of demons in the life of this man caused his blindness and his inability to speak. The second thing that I need to say is this, that it takes a supernatural power for a demon to be cast out. It requires a supernatural power. Now, three things need to be said about can we really say that demons exist? Number one, the argument was not over the reality of demons, but, on the, but over the source of, its, of the power that cast the demon out. The argument is not do demons exist, but how in the world were they cast out? Because in finding the answer to that is to find, is to lay finger on a supernatural power. And, and it is evident that they believed that Beelzebub, the ruler of these demons, had supernatural power. And the argument is, does Jesus, this man, have supernatural power? That's the argument. Second thing found in verse 26 is this. Satan has a kingdom. Satan has a kingdom, a well-run kingdom. Now, when you have a kingdom, 
you have a, 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 uh, some territory, you have a geography, and you have subjects who are under a king in that kingdom or under a ruler in that kingdom so that Satan has a kingdom over which he rules subjects who are part of his kingdom. Third thing that needs to be said is this. His kingdom is made up of demons. Now to look at this word Beelzebub is, 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 is an interesting word study. It's an interesting exercise. The Hebrew word for Beelzebub is the word Beelzebub, Beelzebub and, and instead of the letters E, they're the letters A. You know from Old Testament study, the God Baal, the word means God or Lord. And, and, and the Hebrew word or name, Beelzebub, B-A-L-L, B-A-A-L, is found in 2 Kings chapter 1, and that's the only place it's found. And, and after the, 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 the name Beelzebub, it is always followed with the term or with the statement, the God of Ekron. Now, Beelzebub was called, was, 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 was believed to be the Lord of flies. The word Baal is Lord. Zelob is the word, Hebrew word for flies. So that in the Old Testament, king, in Kings, he was the Lord of flies. He was the one who, who, would, who would rescue the Hebrew from the pestilence of flies. They were much like locusts in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, when God plagued, sent the plagues to Egypt, one plague was the flies, the swarm of flies, and he didn't just send that swarm of flies to, to, to harass the people, he sent that swarm of flies to prove that he was greater than the god Ekron that the pagans believed would save them from the flies. He was called the Lord of Flies. Now, Kittel has an interesting and exhaustive word study in the Greek for the word Beelzebub, B-E-E-L. And the word means, the name means, the Lord of filth, or dung, really, the Lord of dung, or filth. And he is called the Lord of the filthy ones. Now, let's put it all together. There are demons who live, who, who exist in a kingdom and their Lord, the Lord of these filthy ones is Beelzebub or Satan. Second question, why are they sometimes called angels? Now with your, you know, your Bible in hand, let's turn to the 25th chapter of the, of the Gospel of Matthew and look at verse 41. Matthew 25, verse 41. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Now the reason demons are called, sometimes called angels is because that's a New Testament word for them, a New Testament term for them. Now let me say parenthetically, by the way, that Satan is not confined to the lake of fire yet. It's prepared for him and his angels. And also, 
do, do you know who is who controls who is the Lord of hell the Lord of hell is not Satan the Lord of hell is God himself the scripture says fear not him who is able to destroy the body but fear him who is able to destroy the soul in hell now sometimes these demons are called angels and they are called angels because they do not possess a natural body of flesh and bone. But they have intelligence that is supernatural intelligence and they are used to frustrate God's work in the world. Now in the heavenly kingdom, angels have been assigned the responsibility to minister to God. Isaiah saw that vision of angels ministering around the throne of God. In the demonic world, in the underworld, demons have been assigned to minister to Satan and to frustrate the work of God. They're called sometimes angels. Third question, are demons often or seldom mentioned in the New Testament? Well, we know there are four, at least eight authors of the New Testament. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we know there are eight authors of the, book, uh, of the books of the New Testament. There are Matthew, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then there's Peter, James, Jude, and Paul. And these are the eight authors of the New Testament. In each one of the works of these authors, they mention Satan and our demons. In each one of them. Now there might be books that are authored by these men that do not mention Satan or demons. For example, Philippians is a book where sin is never found, the word sin. But, in each, but each author in the New Testament mentions Satan and or demons and not one author of the New Testament ever leaves the subject out. Question number four and we want to get down to the uh, heart of it. Now sometime, not tonight, but sometime you may want to turn and read in Matthew 4.24 and, and discover something I think is interesting, and that is that, 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 that not all illnesses were demonically caused. Now there is a teaching you know, around that says that if everybody's ill, if anybody is ill, it's because of the influence of, of, of a demon. <laughs> it's not, that's not true. Now, we'll say four things about what are demons like. Number one, they being angelic creatures have no body. They have a spirit existence. They do not have a body, but a spirit existence. Second, being members of Satan's kingdom, they are highly organized, now watch this, and they are engaged in a definite strategy. They have a game plan, and they're highly organized, and they're engaged in that strategy. A friend of mine, uh, used to be the director of evangelism out in the Northwest. He's now with a home mission board named Howard Ramsey. As a matter of fact, he developed CWT, Christian Witness Training, which is 
Southern Baptist answer or Southern Baptist evangelism explosion. He, he, he told me one, one night that he was preaching in a little church out in the northwest, somewhere up in the northern part of Oregon, and he said that as he preached, he said every time he tried to say the word Jesus, he couldn't get it out. He said, I'd stumble over the word every time. He said, I just had to force that word Jesus every time. He said, when I'd come to, the, to, to say the name Jesus, I just stutter. He said, I just had to force that word. He said, after the service, he was standing at the back meeting some people, and, and, and this guy came up, kind of a hippie-looking guy. And this guy told him that he was a member of the occult and a worshiper of Satan. And he said, I came into this service tonight to prevent you from saying the name Jesus, but you're so, you have such power with him, I could not prevent it. Now, at the, at the, at the, uh, you know, at the risk of being, um, you know, melodramatic or whatever, let me say this again, and I believe it with every ounce of my being, that the members of Satan's kingdom are highly organized, and they have a definite strategy, and they're engaged in that strategy. They have a game plan, and that game plan has been established by the Lord of their kingdom. And they're out to fulfill that strategy. And, the, and at the heart of that strategy is your destruction and the kingdom's demise. Don't you underestimate the power of the demonic. Well, when he got to, to Gadara, he encountered that demon-possessed man who was possessed by, by legions of demons. And when he went to cast them out, they requested that he send them into, these, the, into the swine that were herding there, that were in a herd. You know that story. Being a spirit, they desire to possess a body even if it is an animal's body. And they have intelligence. Jesus said that they know God intellectually. The demons believe, he said, the demons know God intellectually and they have feelings because in thinking of God, the Bible says they tremble, they shudder. Now, what are the characteristics of personality? The characteristics of personality are that we have a mind and emotion and a will. Now, they have intelligence, they have a mind, they have an emotion, they shudder, and they have a will, and that's point four. They have a will. Now, I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 20. The Gospel of Luke, verse 20, chapter 11, verse 20. Now, 24 is where we're going, so follow me. It says, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own homestead, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, 
Jesus is referring to himself. He takes away from him his armor on which he had relied and distributes his plunder, scatters him. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Look at verse 24. You watching? When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and not finding any, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. I will return to my house. Now, if you want to look that up in its, in its original language, that construction means that he has a dominant will, a powerful will. I will return to my house and I will not be prevented from it. Now, you know, most of us kind of have the concept that, that you know, the, the demons are something that you see on television, you know, some figment of somebody's imagination. And, you know, all you got to do is just kind of, you know, uh, resist and he, and he goes away. It's just, it, it's just not that way. He has a will and he will not be turned back. All right, question number five. How can demons affect human beings today? I'm going to say three things about that. Number one is this. We are constantly exposed to the enemy. We are constantly exposed to the enemy, to the satanic presence. He's in this place tonight. You walk out of this door, you're going to encounter him before you go to bed. We're constantly exposed to satanic powers. What germs are to the physical body, the spirit, the demon spirits are to the spirit. And we're constantly exposed to them. Now, turn to Ephesians, if you will, Ephesians chapter 6. I want to read verses 10 through 13. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God, what? That you may be able to stand firm against the schemes the strategy, the plan, the, de the, the devices, the, the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. <laughs> I, I think I've mentioned here that I used to preach in a jail out in West Texas. And one night I went over there and there was this, you know, it, it, every time they had this uh, jail trustee there. His name was George. He was a black guy. And uh, he, was a, he was a hopeless alcoholic. I'm telling you, he drank his unbelievable things he would drink. He, he just... And one night after we finished our little Sunday school lesson, my little devotional, he said, I, can I ask a question? And I said, yes, sir, go right ahead. And I thought, oh, no. Here, here, here comes a question from Revelation. I mean, that's the question everybody has, you know. And I thought, how am I going to shadow box and dance around this question? This was his question. He said, what does it mean? 
when it says, For we wrestle not, we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That was his question. Quoted that right out of the scripture. And my answer was this. I said, well, what that means is that the enemy is not flesh and blood. If he were, we could get him by the, get, get our hands on him, we could get him by the throat, and we could get enough of us and we could beat him, we could defeat him. But our enemy is spiritual. It's his, he is not flesh and blood. You know what his answer was? He said, you know, that's exactly right. Now, we're constantly exposed to him. And we war and struggle against him and his host. And that struggle is not in a physical realm. It's in a, it's in a heavenly realm. Our, but this is what Paul says. He said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not fleshly. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual because this encounter, this war that goes on is a spiritual warfare. And from the time you become a Christian, before that even, till the day you die, you're going to encounter him and struggle against him and all that he has on his side. Second statement. Now I want you to listen carefully to this. It is possible to open doors to increase demonic involvement. It is possible for you to open doors to increase demonic involvement. Now, now, if you will just turn back one page to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, you're going to read an interesting statement with me. It says, and do not give the devil an opportunity. It means don't give him a place. Don't open a door to him. Don't give him an opportunity of involvement with you. It is possible for you to open doors to increase demonic involvement. Now, how do you do that? Well, experiencing, experimenting with the occult is one of them. That's the place where he, he, he loves to invade. Experimenting with astrology and horoscopes is an example of that. Listen carefully. I, 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 you, you, you need to believe this. The things you watch on television or in movies that you see are ways to give the satanic world a place to invade your life. The music you listen to. Now, I'm not into all this stuff about that there, you know, there's a conspiracy that on the backside of records and that subliminal uh, influence, you get all that stuff. I'm not into that you know, stuff, really. That, you know, that's what people believe, that's fine, and I'm going to encourage you to believe that because it'd be better for you to believe something and stay away from it and then not be true than not to believe it and it'd be true. But I, I, I can believe this and firmly stand on it that there is an influence in the things we listen to, the music we listen to, that gives place to a satanic involvement. The things we read and the things we watch and the things we hear give place to Satan. And we need to stay as far away from that as we can. Now, 
Let me just say, say something that, that, as if this doesn't make sense. If you wander into the enemy's territory, let's just suppose you cross somebody, the enemy line, the Russian line, and, and you just kind of wander around, you're just over there sightseeing, and you innocently cross the enemy's line. Because you're in enemy territory, you're subject to their attack. You don't believe that? You get in an airplane and you fly across the, the allotted space and see if you don't get shot down. You do it. I mean, they shot down a commercial airline because they thought they'd invaded their, their territory. It can be as innocent as, as and, 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 you know, as, as Adam and Eve. You can be lily white with innocency and you can wander into Satan's territory and on his territory, you're subject to attack there. Now, you can be as innocent in the things you watch and listen to and read, etc., as you can be, but if you get over into his territory, you're subject to his attack there. And it behooves us to be careful about what we see and what we hear, what we read. Now, that makes any sense to you or not, but I don't care if it does or doesn't. I'm going to say it anyway. Third, there is the possibility, there is the possibility of being completely demonized. There is the possibility tonight that a man or woman can live under demonic control. There is that possibility. Now, Satan is not the only source of evil, the o not the only source of temptation. He is one source of temptation. But the old sin nature on the inside of us is a, is, 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 is a source of temptation. As a matter of fact, I shared this with guys at noon. I won't, I'll do it and I'll quit. That a few years ago, three men robbed this, this establishment and this is how they did it. In the afternoon, one guy was in that store and he hid in a closet, a janitorial clo janitor's closet or something. And he hid in that closet and when they locked up, they didn't know he was in there. He stayed and so at a pointed time in the middle of the night, he went to the door and let the other two guys in and they robbed, took out everything, took it away. That robbery was an inside job. Three men, but one of them was on the inside. And he let the others in. Sin is an inside job. Now watch this. Satan is the, is the, is, is, uh, the outward uh, enemy that, that tempts man. The world is the bait that he holds up. In temptation. The world is the bait that he holds up in temptation. And the old sin nature that has not been eradicated when we were saved, was not eradicated when we were saved, is that which responds to the temptation. So that the devil is the tempter the world is the temptation. If you, know what, if you want to know what the world is, Paul, uh, John talks about it in 1 John. He says the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
the world is the temptation and the old sin nature is the tempted. It responds to that. Let me illustrate it. If you, call, if you follow me out here tonight, I, I walked out here and I got to your car and unscrewed the gas cap and, and I took a match and, and struck that match and dropped it in the gas cap, in the gas tank. I'd turn around and everybody would be gone. I mean, you'd be running as fast as you could. Now, the reason why is because you know that there's something in that gas tank that's, that responds to that fire, that flame. Now, let me, use the, let me draw the analogy. Satan holds the match. The match is the world and the fuel in the tank is the old sin nature that responds to that that Satan holds up. Now, Satan is the enemy and he attacks us with innumerable hosts of the demonic world and there is something inside of each one of us that takes to sin like a duck takes to water. Now, what is the answer and what is the solution? The answer, I alluded to at the first, is to find your security and your, and your safety in Jesus himself. He said, pray, lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us not from evil as a, as a neuter thing, but to deliver us from the evil one. The only one who can deliver us from the evil one is the one who has conquered him at the cross and the empty tomb. Now the question tonight is, the big question, and it's such a vital question, is this. First, have you, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Is His name, is His personhood, His character a fortress to which you can run for safety? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And the second big question is this. Are you in such fellowship with Him that you have protection against the assaults of Satan? If you don't, then you may leave tonight and crash and burn because he's going to be after you from and me. You know how difficult it's going to be to preach this series? It's going to be the hardest one because he doesn't want it preached. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you now, in the name of Jesus, to move in and bind the evil one and have your way in every heart. And I pray that you'll give us an encouragement and excitement that we have a Savior, one who is greater than he that is in the world. And give us a sense of concern and urgency that we place our faith and trust in him, that we walk with him knowing that he who walks in the Spirit does not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And to live in the security of his presence and power. Bless these young people tonight. 
Help them to get so close to Jesus that He cannot defeat them at every turn. And help them to be able to stand against His assault, armed with the full armor of God. And I pray, Lord, that if you'll give us an opportunity, we'll respond tonight to, to say, I want to draw near to Him, trust Him, lean on Him, that I might live in victory in this world because I pray in Jesus' name for His sake. Now, there are invitations that you know, the invitation to receive Christ, to join the church, just to draw near to Him that you might have that one who protects you against the assault of the evil one. Would you like to come tonight and make your decision for Christ while we stand to sing?